0: How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Now, this week and next week, we're going to be taking a special look at a thing called Pervasive Nation, which is an Irish national internet of things network and i think you're going to be very surprised at the kind of projects that are going on here that we don't get enough time to shout about on our regular shows to introduce pervasive nation and how it works our editor niall kitson sat down with linda doyle who is the director of connect the science foundation of ireland research center for future networks and communications to learn about the basics of the project and how it works So starting my little journey into the
1: Internet of Things in Ireland, I'm up here at the Connect Centre for Research into Future Networks, where I'm meeting Professor of Engineering in the Arts and Centre Director, Professor Linda Doyle. So Linda, I guess Pervasive Nation is one of your flagship projects here. So tell us a little bit about it.
2: Okay, so Pervasive Nation, I like to describe it um, as both a network and an ecosystem, So I'm going to explain what I mean by those two things. So the Internet of Things is is a kind of funny term. It's a term that kind of means everything and nothing at the same time. So you need to kind of stand back and say, uh, you know, what does it really mean to understand the network that you might need for it? So the the, uh, definition I use very often is the Internet of Things is about making meaning from an instrumented world. So if you put sensors around the world, whether you put them in a city or you put them in a field, you can gather data. And then you make meaning from that data. So you can make meaning like, you know, um, this area is very polluted, so therefore I need to do something about it. The grass is growing at a rate I want to grow, so I don't need to fertilize anymore, that kind of thing. So uh, in order to do that, you need to be able to put sensors around the world and they need to be able to connect to a network to gather that data and bring it back to the cloud so you can process it and make that meaning.
1: It is that basic combination of... of you know, telecommunications networks and sensors that, that makes the IoT work however when we're looking at networks at the moment we think of broadband connectivity and we think of fibre to the building fibre to the, to the cabinet if you will what kind of uh, physical infrastructure are we looking at
2: so that's exactly a great point. So when you want to actually gather data, sometimes you want to gather big fat chunks of data like images and video, and other times you want to gather data that's kind of really small and comes in small bursts like temperature or orientation or, you know, um, uh, toxicity or something like that. And what you need for that is a network that's really fine-tuned to the fact that you're going to deploy sensors, you want to leave them in situ for maybe a long time, it could be 10 years, and you want to be able to collect small bits of data Um, over that that period maybe once a day once an hour maybe only once a week or once a month and the kind of network you need for that is a network called a low-powered wide area network so it's a network that's tuned for things that are going to you know last a long time in other words low power and it's wide area and that kind of the range of it spreads over a large area so you can kind of take in the information from the sensors scattered over large areas.
1: So how is this actually going to Look in practice. I mean, we, we know what power lines look like. We know what cabinets look yeah. like. What exactly does a sort of a junction box for, yeah. the, for the pervasive nation look like? Yeah.
2: So um, when you t- take low power wide area networks, there's lots of different flavors. And I suppose it's important to say the flavor that that pervasive nation is, is, is Laura. Um, and essentially, if you look around a city, you might be familiar with, um, you might have seen things like base stations for cellular sites. And you see, when you're, when you're on your phone, you might see little base stations, and or big base stations scattered around the city and the countryside. So rather than have those, you'll have what's known as a gateway. And it's just looks like a simple small box. It can look like a Wi-Fi um, hotspot. And you'll have a gateway, and often it's on top of a building or on top of a pole. And, and that's exactly what it looks like. And that gateway connects back. To a back end which controls the whole network
1: uh, and so i guess let's start casting our net slightly wider now that now that mm. you know, we have a handle on the technology mm. and uh, where you'll find it so when you're looking for applications or you're actually looking to sell the concept and mm. um, who are the first people that have come to you or you have gone to are you looking at sort of people in remote areas where there isn't fantastic mm. connectivity have you gone okay Agriculture, There's some wonderful low-hanging fruit, if you will. Or are you looking at other sectors?
2: So to be perfectly honest, one of the great things about Pervasive Nation is it attracts all of that. And we've had a, a real mix. So we've a mix of academics and research they want to do, and then a mix of companies and agencies. So one of the very early things that we did is we worked with Dublin City Council, and that was a city-based, uh, obviously. And they're interested in flooding and everyone understands the fact that, you know, flooding causes a lot of damage. And if you could actually predict flooding uh, better, you might be able to kind of take uh, action to kind of, I suppose, divert the floods or warn people or whatever you wanted to do. So what we did with the Dublin City Council is we put rain gauge sensors in various different locations around, around Dublin and these are low cost uh, and this is the whole idea of this kind of network Um rather than have a big expensive sensor that you might deploy in one spot you take many low-cost sensors and you deploy deploy them in many different spots and you gather the information from that and you kind of use it to kind of inform your decisions about what you might do.
1: Well that's quite interesting then because in a city area you might have an awful lot of projects using the same network or overlapping yeah. if you will. Um, so what can does the network suffer from contention at all?
2: So, no. So, so the way networks uh, work normally, so different networks are on different frequencies. So, your mobile phone network would be on certain frequencies. Your TV network would be on different frequencies. And this network is in, is in a band of frequencies in around 865 giga, uh, megahertz. And essentially, there can be other networks in that. So, like your Wi-Fi network, there can be other networks. But it has a technology that's very, very robust against any interference.
1: And uh, so when you're looking at so many things going on in one space at the same time, whether you're looking at flood defences or maybe you're, you're looking for things like uh, maybe motion sensors, mm-hmm. I guess, would would be part of it as well. Um, what kind of urban-based projects, for example, have, have really surprised you?
2: Um, I suppose there, there's, a, there's a whole range. I mean, the, the thing is, the, the exciting thing about Internet of Things in general is that you can take a measurement for some obvious reason. So you can measure that a gate has been opened or closed. Um, but then you can start to infer different things from them. So, so we have companies, for example, that are interested in putting sensors on bikes and inferring whether by the movement of the bike is somebody trying to steal the bike. Um, so that's kind of been interesting. and, they're, and they're, uh, Every project has its own own kind of interest, um, so we have we've had projects about water meters. I know they're a contentious <laughs> subject and, you know, um, connecting to water meters and, and those kind of projects would be very much there would be kind of an engineering interest. If I have water meters in a building and the building's concrete and there's lots of floors in the building, can I can I make sure that I get the connectivity to all the all the meters I want um, We've projects related to kind of health? You know, and there's a new project starting now that is about, you know, people who suffer from asthma and and checking kind of pollution. So there's all sorts of surprising things, and sometimes the most simple projects just kind of surprise you anyway. Uh,
1: Of course, when you're dealing with sensors that are generating data, you Mm -hmm. immediately come into the problems of how to store it, Mm -hmm. um, how to store it securely, and then how to keep within the the sort of the... to to stay uh, in compliance with the General Data Protection Regulation. So... What kind of obstacles are you finding in that? When you start out a project, I mean, is sorting out your data protection compliance part of the initial pitch almost?
2: It is. I mean, the great thing about the way we have built the network is that it, it supports what's known as multi-tenancy. So you can be on the network and I can be on the network and I won't see your data. So the data is encrypted. The LoRa Network's data is encrypted from end to end anyway. Um, uh, if, you, if you have a bunch of sensors and I have a bunch of sensors, I won't be able to read what your sensors do. And once you take the data, I can direct the data to wherever you want it. So we have a data centre in Waterford Institute of Technology and we host the, what's known as the network server and the kind of back end of the server there. And we can actually also store data there, but the data can also be stored where you want it to be stored. Um, so it's, it, it in itself is, is very safe. And then we also comply with all the rules of how long you can store data and you know the fact that things need to be anonymised, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, th- those issues are very, very important and I think there are lots of unanswered questions in the world in general um, about data and who owns the data and who has the right to look at it. Um, so so they're, they're very, very important questions. And I think we're really learning as we go along. But in terms of the basic principles, Pervasive Nation would have data encrypted... Uh, everyone's data kept separate and everyone's data stored where they want it to be stored
1: and you would consider that part of the basic infrastructure of the network
2: exactly then? yeah so it's the, the the kind of software in the network that we have allows that kind of careful division of you making sure that your data goes to where you want it and that you have a private account and private access to that
1: I really like the idea when you were talking about the sensitivity of sensors, of, of being able to manage gates and being able to yeah. detect when a when a bike is being stolen. Uh, I mean, these are sort of, uh, I guess, in industry at the moment, but I, I imagine we're starting to see these sort of technologies filter down into the consumer space.
2: Um, I think we are. I mean, the Internet of Things is at a funny, a funny point in time, so... One of the things when we describe pervasive nation, we say that it's a research infrastructure or a testbed that's at scale where you can make mistakes, you can learn, you can evolve, you can try things out, you can try again. And you can develop ideas, you know, here for Ireland and more importantly, we'll say for markets abroad. So the Internet of Things is kind of at that stage where, yeah, there are things around all the time that are consumer products but it's still not at that stage where the where the business models are fully worked out and people can understand how to make money from it and and that's why i think something like pervasive nation is really important it allows you to kind of check out maybe the research ideas and the technical the technical issues and the roadblocks but it can also allow you to think okay how would this work and how would I make money and who'd make money and who pays for what in it? So, yeah, there, you know, there's plenty of examples. I mean, everyone has examples of smart homes and, you know, applications like Hive where you can, you know, check your electricity and monitor from uh, remotely via your phone and via Wi-Fi. But this kind of wider world where you talk about a really smart city with sensors everywhere or smart agriculture with low-cost sensors everywhere or, you know, even smart um, industries uh, that world where you can have really massive amounts of uh, of sensors and you can deploy them with ease and you can find a way to make money from them those breakthroughs some of them have still really yet to be made
1: and when you're looking at um uh projects such as um deploying sensors on a farm which uh, which we've seen done in in Warford, tssg i think yeah. last year we talked about right. it. um How big in a state are we looking at with these things? Because it's not a box of five things that arrive and you stick them in the soil. Like how how big or how much hardware is actually being deployed?
2: So um, the question really there is how long is a piece of string? So so essentially, you know, I use the phrase like, you know, the phrase all politics is local, all radio is local. So you need to be within range of the gateway. And as I said, in the countryside, you could, the gateway, the range of the gateway could be, you know, tens of kilometres and in the city, it'll be smaller. So you need one gateway that's connect with the backhaul. we use the phrase backhaul. that's kind of the connection into the cloud and and that itself can there's multiple options for that it could be satellite it could be it could be you know your a mobile phone connection it could be a fixed connection and then it's up to you how many sensors you want and that's the bit is how long is a piece of string and it depends on what you're measuring so you might just need four or five sensors so for argument's sake um if you decide you want to check our gates opened and closed on a farm However many gates, that you need number of sensors. If you want to check where your animals are, you might need a sensor around each cow's neck or something, or each sheep's neck or something like that. Um, if you want to do something that's to do with the soil, you might need certain spots that you want to have checked at any time. So it kind of depends on what the application is. And that's one of the really important things in the Internet of Things world, So while we're a network centre and we're really interested in networks and we're interested in the technology behind them, you really only begin to understand what people want by taking kind of a deep dive into what we call the vertical, whether the vertical is agriculture or smart cities or smart transport or health or whatever.
1: And uh, then again, sort of taking on that idea of the test bed, Mm -hmm. um, how are people um, approaching you? I mean, are they going... uh, are businesses coming to you, our academic partnerships coming to you going okay look we're we want to actually test the efficacy of the network in very remote parts of ireland um is the is the facility there to make this happen
2: so um perva- very good questions pervasive nation is 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 an, uh, an ireland-wide initiative but what we have is we have coverage in... We started by... So Connect is spread over 10 different centres and we started putting coverage in those centre, centres first because we had, the, we had the facilities to put the gateways on top of. We also have interactions with Northern Ireland. So we have University of Ulster, for example, is involved. Uh, and then what we've done is spread out from there. So we have... Uh, we work with a company um, called Netfasa and they're in Kerry. You know, we've, we've worked with various other people around the country and as they have needs... We've then put gateways in those points if there wasn't coverage there already. We've we've, we've a gateway on top of Cork County Hall, which is a really tall building, some people will know. So as as opportunities arise, we take it and, and we fill in the coverage as we go along, as people need it. So you could be in an area that has coverage already. And uh, if you are, um, we give you a little test piece of equipment and you go out and just click it and you check whether you have coverage. And if there isn't coverage, we will find a way then to, to put coverage in that area. But it's very kind of demand driven and very, very, if someone has a really great idea for a project, we'll find a way to get coverage there. Mm.
1: Some of the projects that I've seen before in the Internet things, when they extend to sort of small towns or urban areas or things like smart lighting. Mm. Um, and they're, they seem quite rudimentary um, mm effectively you know you walk you walk under a lamppost and then it switches on um i imagine there are an awful lot more ambitious projects going on
2: um it's funny that you say that right so so i suppose the the, the overall answer is yes of course because i mean we're a research center so we can we can we can take people we can deal with people who just want to connect sensors to the network and get the data but we can also de- de dig deeper into the network itself so we look at the next generation of the network and we'll say what do gateways need to look like in the future Um, and we'll do a deep dive there we're very very interested in this idea of what's called localization without gps so you know at the moment that um that uh if you want to know where something is you usually use a gps chip that's fine if power isn't an issue but if power is an issue a gps runs down batteries Uh, And you can't get a sensor with a GPS stuck to it to last for years and years and years. So we're looking at non-GPS based localization and there's many really interesting mathematical ideas that you use there. And then we have people, for example, in Tindal who go back to basics and say, "Okay, I want to create a sensor that doesn't exist already and I'm going to build a new sensor. So we tap into all parts of the network from the sensor to the gateway to the back end and and do, say, more fundamental um, uh, evaluation. And, And that's very important. However, even the most simple fundamental things can also be quite transformative. And, and the best example there is to give you is the example of smart bin. So if you have a sensor in a bin that tells you when the bin, a public bin, needs to be emptied, um, that, has, that can have profound implications. So you can, uh, you can, you, there's all sorts of applications that sit on top of it that tell you, you know, what's the best route for your trucks to take to empty the bin that can cut down on congestion, can cut down on f- uh, fuel use, can cut down cut down on pollution, can change what your uh, employees need to do and when they need to do it. So sometimes you can be taking a very small measurement and a very small piece of data and still do many wonderful things. So so they can be profound in different ways.
1: Uh, and I guess they, there can be those small little aha moments when yeah. a little piece of data comes across and it, it, it seems to be a complete outlier and it ends up turning a project on its head or, or spawning something completely different
2: that's true and in fact actually um we so we, that happens to us in 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 lots of different ways but um i'm we have a group here in, in Connect we're very lucky we also work with um, artists and uh, some of our artists are interested in sonification and it's kind of making sound you, you know using data to create sound so Pervasive Nation actually we've we've sonified Pervasive Nation and you can actually listen to the traffic on Pervasive Nation and it's, uh, uh, Neil Smith was uh, and Stephen Noddy were the two artists who worked on it and it's first of all it's very lovely to listen to but it's also a way of kind of listening to what's happening and how busy the network is and and essentially are people using what they tell us they're using um and and getting a sense of uh, of the growth of the traffic on the network uh so that came out of um us just thinking about how do we keep an eye on the network in 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 a different way um so so things like that do happen
1: that's a really interesting point. about. I, I guess there's tremendous um, potential then for data visualization and, and even AR.
2: Oh, there's huge potential. I mean, if I go back to the beginning when I say Internet of Things is about making meaning. Um, out of out of out of the data you collect from your instrumented world so pervasive nation is really about instrumenting the world and once you get that data you need the ai and the machine learning and the visualization to make meaning so that's why i say pervasive nation is a network and an ecosystem so in that ecosystem in the wider ecosystem we have people who are data analytics people we have people who are visualization people we work with companies with a whole load of backgrounds because you need all of that to make that meaning that you want
0: And that was our TechCentral.ie editor, Niall Kitson, talking to Linda Doyle of Connect. Next week, we're going to sit down with three people from the worlds of business and academia to see how they're using Pervasive Nation to power their Internet of Things projects. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out more about it online uh, with Pervasive Nation, you can visit their website, which is PervasiveNation.ie. That's it for our show this week. Of course, remember, you can get tech news, hourly updates and daily newsletters on what's happening in tech in Ireland from TechCentral.ie. Not to mention every Friday at six with RTE Radio One Extra. Until next week, from myself, Justy Rhodes, and from Al Kitson, Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at TechCentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.